even though they're not maybe owned by me, I still consider them mine. You know, I like to form that partnership with them. They're all special to me in some sort of way. So, and I have, a, I have great owners. I have really great owners that they'll always say that I'm my hardest critic. Mm. So I don't think there's any difference between riding one that, that you've bred or riding one that someone else owns. I think you, you just have, you have to ride them how, with what goals, what you want to achieve. There is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored. As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration. Deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade, something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. If you can picture what it's like growing up with an Olympic athlete as one of your parents and then following them into the sport they're known for, then you might be able to relate to what life has been like for Lauren Hayes. Lauren joins us today for Hitting Your Stride to share what coming from a multi-generational family of horse enthusiasts is like and how she developed her own aspirations in following Dad Jay's footsteps while making the path distinctly her own. She's been a junior amateur Canadian champion at the Royal Winter Fair and a national talent squad champion at the Royal as well. Lauren has earned a silver medal at the Young Riders Championships and has competed in the 2000 Olympic trials. Two years later, she held a spot on the second place Nations Cup team in Wellington, Florida. After an intense start to her competitive career, Lauren, now a mom of two girls, has picked up where she left off and has been devoting more time these days to getting back into the show ring, along with helping to manage Northridge, the family's farm and breeding program. We'll talk about the challenges Lauren has faced and some of the exciting things she's got going for her right now. And it's a bit of a full circle conversation as Lauren opens up about how special it's been to see her girls take up the equestrian life and follow in her footsteps. So let's get our ears on and really tune in to what Lauren has to share. And welcome back to Hitting Your Stride. All right. Hello, Lauren. Thank you for joining me here on Hitting Your Stride. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's kind of start this off. First of all, let the uh, let our listeners know what you've been up to this summer. <laughs> I've had a pretty amazing summer. Uh, my horses have been incredible. Um, I won a few Grand Prix on Golden Boy and, um, and then have won a couple on uh, Icon NR. And then I just recently um, started riding a stallion Hadesh and he, I haven't, I've done well on him. I'm getting to know him and he jumped some clean rounds at uh, major league in the two star, in the two star uh, division. So it's awesome. exciting. I have a, a nice group of 
boys that keep me on my toes, but they're, they're a lot of fun. That is awesome. I'm so excited for you. All right. So let's start this off. You know, what was it like for you to not only grow up the daughter of an Olympian, but then follow in his footsteps and becoming a rider with your own big goals? Um, it was, I was always very uh, passionate about horses. Um, so it was kind of, uh, it was inevitable that I was going to do, do be in the business somehow. Um, they always said that I had to go to school and, and do that to make sure that I was really passionate about it, not just something I knew that it was something that I wanted. Um, it was always, you know, they're nice to, to watch my dad and in those events and have those goals. Um, so it's definitely, it was definitely nice to have and to share that passion with both my parents and both my, um, both families that, uh, they knew the good and they knew the bad <laughs> on you, your good days, they were able to support you. And on your bad days, they knew that you were the hardest, your hardest critic. So they weren't gonna, gonna oh. hold it against you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are well supported in this sport on both sides of your family, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like how did it, cause like when you are in that situation where you have a family legacy that has been what it is. And if you are passionate about it, you know, I think some people might find it easy to maybe sink under pressure. Like, did, did you feel any of that or was your passion your own and you used what was around you as motivation or inspiration? How would you describe it? I think I was my hardest critic. Um, my parents were always very, very supportive in, in any direction that my sisters or I wanted to go in. Um, mine just happened to be horses. Uh, so I never felt the pressure that I had to do horses. It was something that I wanted to do. Um, and I was very lucky to be surrounded by, by many people that, you know, uh, my uncle is uncle Mac, Mac yeah. Cohen. Um, you know, yep. and it was just it's Uncle Mac. And I still to this day, you know, trotting around the schooling area. Hi, Uncle Mac. You know, like it's just or, you know, Mario Delorier was a very close family friend and they were just people to me. Um, mm. So I don't think I ever felt the pressure that I had to 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 be great because of them. I put that pressure on myself that I wanted to to do that and to be a professional rider and to reach, you know, the goals, the high level goals. Yeah. Um, so that was never, never a pressure that was put on me. It yeah. was something I put on myself or a dream or desire or ambition that I had for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, what's that saying, you know, to achieve what you want to achieve or, or surround yourself with the group of people yeah that you want to, you know, get to that kind of level. I mean, you couldn't have been better placed amongst yeah, all those exactly. people. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did, all right. So what, what is one piece of advice that your dad, Jay Hayes gave you, you know, that has helped, helped keep you going all these years? Um, that's a difficult question to, to answer in some ways, but I think the best piece of advice that he sort of is adamant about is keeping everything separate, whatever happens back in the barn, whatever happens at home, whatever happens wherever, 
keep it separate from what happens in the ring and go in there and perform for yourself and ride your best and ride your the way you know how to do it. Um, don't let let other things get involved and get uh, get busy in your head kind of thing. Yeah. And that takes a lot of focus because there's a lot of distractions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I can't, and you know, I think that it's very, um, for me that it's something that I need to really, I need to really think about and always take that step back. And I've had to, I've learned how to coping mechanisms, I guess you could say over the years in different stages of my life, you know, before it was just me now having kids and having everything else, you know, I'll be walking in the ingrate gate and one will come up and I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be able to just shut that out and be able to carry on and then take care of it afterwards. <laughs> One thing at a time. Awesome. At a time. Yeah. So I guess on that point, what's more difficult to navigate setting ambitious goals and working towards them or finding a balance in life through managing your own expectations? I think finding a balance is yeah is the hardest um you know and you have to be able to like certain certain weeks are going to get out of control and you just can't let you know if the laundry's not put away at home you don't have to let that affect you um performance wise you have to learn how to organize your time and organize the balance and and just some some weeks are going to be harder than others yeah and let that get to you and affect you yeah, yeah and and you know we've kind of talked about this a bit in the first question but your own expectations mm -hmm. and then and like you just said previously about being a mom like that must be you know did, have you found yourself or let's just say are you able to continue towards your goals as well as take the time needed for your girls like is that a hard line to try to figure out um yes and yes it is only personally though like I always felt guilty that I was depriving them of certain things or you know felt guilty that when they were really little of you know I have my mom is a great support and help with the girls um but that you know I would slug everything into the car and they would be up early in the morning and getting dressed in the car and eating breakfast in the car or um you know I felt guilty and then one time it was like October or something and we hadn't been to a horse show for a long time and Sloan was kind of moping and I said what's wrong and she said I just want to go to a horse show and I was <laughs> like oh okay <laughs> you know my guilt was was put on myself it wasn't that my kids were putting that that making me feel guilty it was in my head that i that i felt i was you know making them do stuff that they didn't want to do yeah um, but they do have they have great friends at the horse show they have a ton of fun i mean there's days where they're like how are we going to another horse show <laughs> but at the end of the day, they do really truly enjoy the lifestyle that they, that they have. That's, That's for sure. Great. That's so great. Trying to find I mean, a balance. Yeah. I mean, and look at the way you and your sisters grew up and yeah. turned out, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> we're not so bad. You guys are good humans. That's <laughs> yeah. no. And it's funny, you know, I was sitting there um, 
the, the last week at major league in, in Ottawa and my kids are good friends with Mathilde Condell and, and Chloe Karens who their parents are, are obviously high level show jumpers. And, and there's a vast age difference between, you know, Estes nine and Matilda's 13. So, and various ages in between. And it's nice that they have those friendships and there's no, there's no age restriction on it. And they all get along and they're all, they're all great kids. So it's, it's definitely a lifestyle. And I, that, yes, it's hard sometimes, but yeah. it teaches them life lessons and they're able to get along with different people. And that's and so important. Not, yeah. Not see friends for months at a time and pick up right where they left off. So I think that's, that's something that, you know, you need to learn how to, how to deal with. And they, we, I learned how to deal with it as a kid and they had to learn to deal with it. So yeah, that's uh, good. it's nice. Yeah. So on the other side of that coin about setting goals, you know, on the other yeah. side of being mom, how yeah. do you set goals for yourself? Do you have a certain plan or a routine or a something that gets you in the mindset to go for goals or how, how do you do it? You know, we sort of map out a plan at the beginning of the year of, you know, what, what shows we're going to do. And, and I'm in a very, I, I haven't been in a position that I'm in right now in a long time, if ever, I have a great group of horses and a great group of owners. Um, so this year it's been a little bit up and down. Um, you know, horses are, are unpredictable. Some weeks they feel great. Some weeks they don't. And having to manage, manage them, you know, I've, I've, I've had great horses, but I've had one at a time. Hmm. Um, now I have a couple and that's also been hard because they're, my three main horses are three completely drastically different rides. Um, so that's a new challenge and like, yeah, I, you know, of course I'd like to go in there and win every time. Um, but I need consistency and that's sort of my goal right now is consistency and making, keeping them the fittest and and longevity of having them. One, one day at a time. Just one, one day at a time. Step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah. one thing to say, okay, I've got this short-term goal or this is my long-term goal, but day to day it's the management and how you're able to set yourself up. And yeah. So yeah. we all do what we can. That's the, yeah. and, and yeah. like you said earlier, not beat yourself up for it either. It's, it's so easy yeah. to be our greatest critic, but all that does is get in the way. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So as a junior, you got a lot of experience as a catch rider. What did that teach you about your horsemanship skills? And what did it show you about yourself as you continued to develop as a rider? Um, you have to adapt, you know, you don't get very long to get to know the horse and have a relationship with them. So you sort of have to listen to them and adapt, you, you know, mold yourself into what they need to get the best out of them rather than them conform to your style. Um, you know, I think that I was put on anything and everything from big horses to small ponies. Um, and it helped me, you know, I have a, t- I 
everybody has a type of horse that they like to ride, but, um, you know, I always liked one that was a little bit hotter and a little bit, you know, crazier, but, um, they're not all like that. And, uh, yeah, for sure made me adapt to, and listen to the horses, you know, what they, what they needed to be able to get the best out of them rather than them conform fit into your box. We had, I had to, had to step into their, their box and make the best out of it. Yeah. And I'm just having this funny thing go through my mind. It's like when you say, you know, I've got to go on from horse to horse and I got to figure out, you know, and it's all about communication. That would be like the wildest, crazy version of speed dating with horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. However, they don't talk back in a way that, that you have to listen. You have to, you have to feel it. So it's, it's better. <laughs> Oh, so I would have to say then that probably one of your greatest um, personal characteristics to be good at what you do is to pick up that communication and like that fine-tuned listening, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, like they're, they, they wake up on the bad side of the, on the wrong side of the bed sometimes too. So, yeah. you know, sometimes if you're not getting exactly what you want out of them there, you just have to step back and say, okay, let's start again tomorrow. Let's, let's figure out a different way to, to communicate, not push it to a, to the point that everybody's angry. Right. And what do you, <laughs> you do? Accomplished. <laughs> what do you do? What's, what do you say to yourself when you get on a horse that's not your typical choice of horse maybe one that needs a little bit more leg and a little bit more go what what do you how do you deal with that I just sort of go with the flow and and learn you know feel what they need and how I'm going to make it work and if I need to to change my the way that I that I ride then I have to adapt to them to make it to make it work yeah is it a little yeah. harder yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not super tall. So sometimes yeah. those that are big and slow are a little bit harder than the, the ones that are tiny and fast, but yeah. make it work. Yeah. <laughs> I awesome. sometimes have to remind, you know, when other people are like, I, you know, trying to, you know, I take all the advice I can get, but then when they try and give me advice and I'm like, my legs don't reach there and I'm not that physically strong. So I can't, I have to change it. You know, whether they're like, oh, we rode that horse in a snaffle. I'm like, that's great. I need something a little stronger. <laughs> I'm not six foot and, you know. Yeah, exactly. All muscle, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. So can you describe what it was like for you going to the Olympic trials in year 2000? How did you find a way to juggle the demands of that experience, the emotional, physical, and mental, while you were a student at, uh, was it Wilfrid Laurier? Yeah. yeah. And how did you, um, how did trying out for the Team Canada affect you going forward? I think trying out for Team Canada, I, I sort of in my head, it was another horse show, you know, you can't let the, the, the glory of it get in the way. Otherwise you'll mentally, you will crumble. Um, you know, I always want to go in and perform my best. So whether it's the Olympic trials or, you know, a green horse or something, it's, it's another horse show. Um, I've always been a very organized person in organizing my time. Um, so I definitely had to figure out a way to make sure that I wasn't falling behind in school. Um, 
and wasn't, you know, lacking in time in the saddle and, and training and whatnot. So um, any project that was due, I made sure that I did it ahead of time. Um, any, I wouldn't have done any presentations because I don't like to do presentations, but, um, um, you know, and making sure that, that I communicate what my time schedule was and where I, where I could, you know, give more time in the saddle or I had to be more time at school. Um, I had a great support team behind me between my parents and, and staff at the barn. So they were able to keep my horse fit and going and all that. And then just had to communicate with my professors of, you know, if I was going to miss something and why. And that was a challenge, but I'd always been very organized and in sense of schoolwork and, and stuff to make sure that I was able to maximize my time at the horse show. Wow. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a young coaching client um, and she is a very talented young rider and she is going to be big one day and she is entering into her first uh, year of university. So yeah. I'm going to make sure she listens to this episode. Yeah. Because, yeah. So it is possible, but the key is to be well organized and have a support yeah. system. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I always look at the syllabus and kind of like plan out when I had, you know, if I had lots of reading to do and there was a day that, that I didn't have much to do, I would make sure that I kind of went ahead because there were times where there weren't enough hours in the day to, to do everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and a question I'm going to ask on her behalf and anybody else who, who has similar goals entering first year university, is there any time for fun? I mean, that's the reality yeah. of it. So you managed to have fun as well yeah. with friends I and did. stuff. Okay. And, and even like, you know, I would always from September until the Royal kind of deal, I was very focused and, and, you know, between school and, and riding and sort of organizing, I still, you know, would go out. Um, and then after the Royal until Christmas, you know, I didn't, ride that much I would go and stay at school and 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 be a part of it and be involved in school okay um, and then kind of January until March I did go back and forth to Florida a couple times um, and would concentrate on riding and then after that until until finals I would uh, like March until mid-April or whenever finals were I would uh, stay at school to, okay you know, enjoy it and yeah enjoy my friends and stuff so. that process is very important for people yeah right yeah, yeah you've yeah. got to do that awesome so what was your biggest takeaway from trying out for team canada my biggest takeaway i was i had i was had a good success and then as the trials went on um actually i, I was i think i finished sixth or seventh and I knew that I wasn't going to be on the team, um, but it was a nice process to go through. Um, you know, at the time we actually had um, Jonathan Aslan and Mario Delorier, myself and my dad, all, we all lived, we were living at our house because um, they were from out of town. Um, and it was, you know, to be surrounded by everybody that was sort of under the same pressure. They were under more pressure than me because they 
did make the team, okay. uh, Jonathan and my dad. But you know, the dinner conversations were not about the trials or about, they were just, mm. you know, chit chat and worldly issues and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, to separate yourself from it again, you know, that the importance of not just focusing 100% on, on what's going on. To, because uh, even though this is all encompassing, there yes. is a life outside of horses. Yes. 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 And I yes. think that needs to be stated a bit more because yeah. I mean, sometimes, know, yeah, like, you know, sometimes trotting around when you're having a really bad day and I will sort of stop and be like, I jump four-legged animals over sticks. Like this is what I do. And I have to appreciate our lifestyle and what we do. We can't take for, we can't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Following your team silver medal at the Nations Cup in Wellington, Florida in 2002, you stepped away from competitive riding to focus on growing the North Ridge team. What has being on that side of the sport given you in terms of perspective? Um, it's sort of, you know, it's not always about being in the ring. It's not always about you. Um, I had great success with students, um, one being Sarah Johnstone um, you know, helping them pursue their goals, helping them, um, follow what they want to do, um, teaching. It's, it's not always about what you do in the ring that you, you know, you might have to help other people, help other people, teach other people and give, give them some, some guidance, um, and stay organized. And there's a lot for the, for the, minimal amount of time that you spend in the ring there's a lot that goes on behind behind backstage right like it, it's a huge it's a huge puzzle it's with lots of yeah. working pieces lots yeah. of personalities yeah yeah so mm. and it's it's 24 7 oh my goodness so in your own words you're eager to step back into the ring and find your next great horse do you have a sense of what that horse could look like at this stage and considering we just kind of already covered you've got some three great ones you're working with are any of those guys really fitting that mold of what you look for um i think all three of them fit the 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 mold in a in a different way um you know, Icon is a little quirky and a little funny, um, but he's really coming into his own. Um, Golden Boy is like that. He, he's been steady Eddie. He has been everything I asked of him. He has he has done. Um, you know, he's he's not as quirky as Icon, but there's there's a lot of personality in there, and. Um, Harry Hadesh, I don't really know him yet. I've never had a, I've never competed a stallion. Um, so that's a whole other uh, element to the puzzle. Um, you know, he's, he's a very, very, very well-behaved stallion, but there are moments where he does lose his focus for a few seconds. And it's, it's different than, you know, a mare losing their focus or a gelding. It's, it's different. So I've, I've only had him a month, so I can't really give um, too much insight on, on okay. but it's, it's going in the right direction. 
Have you um, found, I've known over the years, massaging stallions, as well as, you know, the one or two that I rode, had the chance to ride when I was riding years ago. Do you find them to be more sensitive? Like they're just super sensitive about yeah. things. Yeah. 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 And I've always, I've, I was always a mare person. I always had a lot of mares and everybody says, oh, you know, they're very sensitive and they're this, they're di- geldings and stallions versus a mare are totally different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a mare will fight to the bitter end. I mean, she could be, you know, she's a warrior. A gelding sometimes, you know, they get a little bug bite and they're like, ah! <laughs> but, um, but they're good. I love my, they're, they've been wonderful. So I can't, I can't really complain. That's awesome. So do you think it's harder to find that great horse when you're not the owner and you're simply quote unquote along for the ride, or is it tougher when you home breed your ride and you have to be the one making all the decisions? I don't know if one's tougher than the other. Um, you know, it's a lot to buy them and find them and, and, there's a lot of pressure because they're already at the, you know, you're trying to find the level that you want or the, and, or if they want to buy a young one and make it into it, like, is that what you're choosing? Is that going to be what they want it to be? Okay. Um, when you breed them, it's a long involved <laughs> process. <laughs> <laughs> we joke a lot that like, you know, I can say with Icon, he's nine years old this year. He was almost tied to the mailbox a few times. <laughs> um, it was, it's been a long process and whether, you know, like I said, he's been fabulous this summer and I will take it. I will appreciate it all every day because it could, who knows? And with any horse, it could, you know, every day is it could fall apart the next day. Right. But I mean, with him, there's a story for everything. I mean, he used to jump out of the paddock, roll, and then jump back in or get loose, run around the horse show. And then we couldn't find him and he was back in his stall. Um, yeah. Like he's just, he's a character and it's been a very, I've probably fallen off of him more than any horse in my, any, all combined horses in my entire career. My goodness. The nine years that we've had. And he's probably, and he's only been ridden for five of them. (laughs) So so when you're riding other people's horses, there's a different pressure slash expectation there? No, I don't think there's, I ride, you know, even though they're not maybe owned by me, I still consider them mine. you know, I like to form that partnership with them. They're all special to me in some sort of way. So, um, and I have, a, I have great owners. I have really great owners that, that um, they'll always say that I'm my hardest critic. Mm. So I don't think there's any difference between riding one that, that you've bred or riding one that someone else owns. I think you, you just have, you have to ride them how with what goals what you want to achieve um not worry about about what everybody else wants which is a hard which is very hard to do yes absolutely yeah Yeah. I mean it's and it's too they're usually those owner rider um relationships they're 
the great ones, I mean, they're long standing. I mean, you can yeah. have decades together of, of doing this. So yes, it's not only are you getting to know the horse, but it's, it's getting to know another aspect, almost becoming family in a way. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, but the, 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 my horses have always, you know, I, I have try and form a special bond with them. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And honestly, that's, I, I think it was your uncle Mac. I heard yeah. him give a word of advice one day to a staff in the barn when I was there working. And he's like, in order to be a special horse, they have to feel like a special horse. Yeah. And yeah. I have just held that so close to me over the years, just even with my, how I interact them with the massaging, but just watching and you can tell you know, who takes the time to get to know and develop that communication and that connection with these horses. They just seem yeah. to try harder for you. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So. so let's talk a bit more about this quirky fellow that you homebred. <laughs> yeah. He's, so he's yeah, you've, you've been one. having some great success with him, this icon NR, who is a second generation homebred. Um, what does it mean to you having that success with a homebred and what adjustments have you been making to your riding? You've maybe alluded to some of yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's special. He's the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest horse in the barn. He really, really is. Um, but it's, you know, in the ring, it's not even the jumps. It's what's happening outside the ring that you have to worry about or, um, you know, a shadow or something. Um, he's definitely been a lot of blood, sweat and tears have <laughs> got into him. Um, so the, the reward is maybe that much more, not, I wouldn't say more special, but it's a little bit, there's gratifying that, you know, all those times that when you were lying on the dirt in the ground, have paid off. <laughs> well, isn't it kind of cool though, too? I mean, let's say you and Icon here are kind of what a lot of people have as their dream opportunity, that one foal, you, you see it hit the ground and you're like, what are the possibilities? Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, and you know, it's funny. I call him Benjamin Bratt because he was like, <laughs> you know, as a four-year-old, he was so quiet and so easy. And we would let, you know, my sister who doesn't ride very often would come up to the farm and ride him. And sort of as he grew stronger and knew his strength, he was like, oh, okay. He realized that he was a lot stronger and maybe thought he was smarter than all of us. <laughs> um, and he sort of, grown into his own and I know his quirks you know I know I know when he's gonna not be good or you know when right from when I get get on him um you know he's he tests everybody too you know okay. trying to put his bridle on is he always sticks his head straight in the air um it's and it's not him being mean he's just like I'm bigger than you so what are you gonna do about it um but he's and he's quirky he's for sure, you know, in the schooling area, you have to worry about horses coming towards you and hmm. sometimes horses behind you and going into the ring. And um, yeah, he's, he's, I know him, I know him very, very well. Um, and I think I've, there's been a few other people that have ridden him, but not, you know, here and there, nothing right. really 
I'm the only one that's ever shown him. Um, so hmm. it's, yeah, it's special. Nice. So can you yeah. say at the age of nine, cause he's still developing, right? And yeah. so can you sense in him the, the big boy pants are coming on every time you go into the ring? Is he recognizing what his job is now? For sure. For sure. For sure. Oh. He's definitely, um, he, I wouldn't say easier, but it's more consistent for okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the things I've always loved when I've worked with that top level horse where, you know, yeah. I might even start working them as a, working with them as a four-year-old massaging them, but as they get through eight and nine, and once they hit yeah. this certain age, it's like, click, I know yeah. what my job is. It's just so neat because you get to watch them develop and love their job. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like even now, like when the, the horse trailer pulls up, um, he gets like all pumped up in his stall and is like ready to go. Like he wants to horse show. And everybody's like, what is his, what is he doing? Like he's bucking in his stall. I'm like, oh, the horse trailer's here. So that's what he, awesome. he knows his, he, he likes his job. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So if, if that's just play a little thing here, if this is the second act of your riding career, how will you apply the lessons learned from act one? in order to find the success, satisfaction, gratification you're looking for now in your life? Like I said earlier, you know, learning to separate, learning to prioritize, um, you know, when I was younger, it was just about me. So I would, you know, let other things bother me and it would, I would take it personally. Now there's a lot of other factors involved, <laughs> my two children. Yes. Um, and so I have to prioritize. I have to do what's best for me. I have to do what's best for them. And I think I'm just more mature in life. <laughs> that that tends to happen. Hopefully, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we can all yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I appreciate it. You know, being able to to do what I do and have the support that I have, and you know, enjoy it with my kids as well, and they're my biggest, you know, my biggest support for sure. Um, you know, when they can't be there, they'll call me, and they know they ask. It's funny; they're like little um, sports critics. You know, yeah. they'll know they'll know what's going on and what I where I what I did wrong or whatnot, but, uh, they're for sure the biggest, the biggest support system. And I think that's, you know, from before to now and how to prioritize and not yeah. be, you know, I, even if I do have a bad day, I have to still put a smile on my face and make sure that, you know, I don't impose my upset on them. Yeah. So you have to, to learn how to separate even, even bigger than before. Okay. And are, are both the girls showing? Like, are they taking part in showing? They are. So um, what's that like for you to watch yeah, them do this? I would rather go and jump two meters if they, wherever <laughs> than sometimes stand in the in-gate. Um, you know, I, they both have great, they have a great horse and a great pony. Um, so that's, you know, my number one priority is is providing that for them um but there are sometimes 
yeah, when they step in the end gate, you lose complete control of the situation. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's nerve wracking. I have to say my, the little one has the most, uh, the, has a pony. She's actually 24. Um, and her mother was my small pony when I was 10. Whoa. So, yeah. And she, uh, Mimi, absolute mischief is, she's amazing. Um, so Essie's had a great year on her. And as the years, as the summer's gone on, my, my nerves are a lot less. Good. Um, Now it's not because I'm nervous of anything's going to happen. It's more, um, she's done extremely, extremely well. And, you know, when she doesn't, her disappointment in herself is, mm. is hard for me to, to take sometimes. Um, you know, it's just trying to explain that to a nine-year-old that it's not always going to be perfect. Um, isn't that, isn't that yeah. fun though? Because, you yeah. know, how, what we talked about in the beginning and your expectations and growing up as the daughter of an Olympian, like, it's yeah. just like, you can almost mirror yourself and, yeah. and give her that advice because you've lived it. <laughs> exactly yeah and then my eldest has a has a jumper that she shows in the point nines Hmm. um and you know she's she's having to you know navigate a horse and and she's kind of skipped all the ponies she if you can believe it she grew too much (laughs) she's taller (laughs) than I am so um, she kind of outgrew ponies very quickly um and yeah it's nerve and she you know, that's a hard division because there's a lot of people and they go really fast and they, they, and I don't want her, you know, I want her to, to do it in proper steps and not just run to get a ribbon. And that's been hard for her to, uh, to understand of like, you know, how come I can't go super fast and run, but she's not that personality. So I know that it, it would not benefit her if, if she did. Um, you know, I said, your goal is to move up. I don't want you to, 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 to run like a crazy person and and get ribbons. It's about learning how to navigate it and do it properly. So I love it. I love it. I just think this is so much fun. I mean, you and I've known each other for a long time. It's so great to reconnect with you. And I've been following what's going on in your world and I am cheering you on. I am so excited for you. Yeah. So what's, what do you think the future of Northridge looks like? I mean, I have to say, I'm so happy to see your dad's name out there now too, and him showing. So please, you know, tell him I said that, but yeah, what's, what's the future of Northridge look like? Um, I think, like I said, we have a great group of horses, which is really nice and to be competitive at the you know higher levels and then of course to bring our students along to to achieve their um their goals and then my kids you know whatever happens with with them um they have other they they do love the horses but they do have other um interests um and so trying to navigate that and fit that in and let them them choose their path um, you know, to not feel pressure that they have to do the horses because they're the, my goodness, on my mom's side, I think they're the fourth generation and on my dad's side, the third generation. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't want them to feel that pressure that they have to do it, that they, you know, they can do it as a hobby. They don't need to do it as a profession. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
good for you so, guys. Yeah, no, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Much. And I know it's it's been a challenge booking this time. So I am very yes. grateful for you. Yes, thank you. Yes. Thank Where you. can so. people follow you and things that are going on in your world and with Northridge? Our website is not the greatest. We have to redo that, but we're on um, Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Northridge on Facebook and Northridge 75 on Instagram. Okay. And then I have my personal Facebook and uh, Instagram as well, which is Lauren awesome. Hayes. And, yeah. yeah. So if people want to reach out, they can. Yes, for sure. For sure. Anytime, send me a message and, uh, and I will be for sure. I will. For awesome. Awesome. All right, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And, uh, Thank you for everything. And I hope to see you soon. Yes. Thank you. So there you have it. I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes, and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics as always with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching.